In these times we live in, it often seems that hype counts more than substance and style more than integrity. Why is it there is so much mistrust of so many of our politicians? And why is it that corporate greed can lead to mistrust of certain corporate leaders? Perhaps it is because falsities and half-truths are coming at us all the time. Or perhaps it's so commonplace it gives implicit permission that it's okay. We seem to live in a post-factual era. I hope that is not the case, but sometimes it seems overwhelming. I don't understand everything going on in our country right now, and I certainly don't understand everything that's happened in the last few days. But I do know that the Bible lifts up false prophets who tell the king only what the king wanted to hear, and that true prophets throughout biblical history spoke truth to power, even if it meant they become unfavorable in the eyes of the king. Many were put in prison or executed. Patrick Moynihan, the late senator from New York, once said, everyone is entitled to their opinion, but no one is entitled to their own facts. This is a time of struggle as we discern who we are. In a book entitled The Day America Told the Truth, Patterson and Kim reveal many things about Americans as a result of a very thorough study and survey. For instance, while well over three-quarters of Americans believe in God, less than half that number actually turn to God when they are in the midst of a moral dilemma. They also found that about four out of five Americans lie regularly. Lie regularly. Wow. Uh, a few years ago, there was a, a very intriguing show called Lie to Me. I don't know if you saw that or not, but I was intrigued by it. Because one of the premises is that everyone lies. The real question is, why? Why do people lie? Now, surely those figures about so many Americans lying, forgot to mention that here in PV, in our neck of the woods, that just can't possibly be the case. But, you know, I suspect that a good deal of lying or half-truths come from people not wanting to hurt others. I mean, think about going to a family, to a relative's house for dinner or a friend's house for dinner, and the food is not all that great, but what do you say? Oh, yes, this is a wonderful meal. Thank you so much. It's delicious, right? Those are the kinds of things we do when we just stretch it a little bit. Sometimes we find ourselves justifying not telling the truth or at least withholding a portion of it by saying something like, well, the truth would just be too overwhelming for her or for him. Dishonesty knows no distinction of age, wealth, class, race, religion, politics, or gender. Think of the constant pressure for truth in advertising. There are some companies that will do whatever it takes to sell their product and meet their desire of their customers, even if it means misrepresenting the truth. And we've all heard that 
old adage that says, a white lie never hurt anyone. I like the story of the husband who stepped onto the scales at the amusement park. And the little card came out of the machine and it said, you are intelligent, have a magnificent, a magnetic personality, strength of character, you are a leader, you are intelligent and handsome and attractive to the opposite sex. And his wife said, hmm, it got your weight wrong too. <laughs> Blatant lies, white lies, withholding the truth, being open and honest, being blatantly truthful. How does one find the right way in the world? How do we find our moral bearings in life? How can we make the weighty decisions with truth as the center point? The scriptures always have and always will provide the balancing points for our life's needs if we will but listen. Hear the great commandment, which you already know. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Today, as we explore honesty, let's look at three movements as the great commandment hangs together as one whole. I believe the first movement toward honesty is one of inner integrity. Inner integrity. In Henrik Ibsen's A Dollhouse, Nora reacts to her husband's demand that she had a sacred duty to be wife and mother. And Nora replies, first and foremost, my duty is to be myself. Inner integrity has to do with being completely honest with ourselves. I'm convinced that until we begin to get honest with ourselves in our interior conversations, we will never be able to be honest in any aspect of our lives. If you can deceive yourself, you can deceive others. And yet such inner honesty is not always easy. We all take, we all talk to ourselves on the inside. We have an inner or interior conversation. And that conversation is terribly important. Oftentimes, it's pre preferable to avoid unpleasant truths about ourselves than it is to be honest about them. Like the overweight person standing in front of the mirror who said, mirror, mirror on the wall, don't you ever fib at all? Seriously, when was the last time you stood in front of the mirror and had an honest heart-to-heart -heart conversation with yourself? To talk with yourself and ask, what am I not being honest with myself about? Or when was the last time you simply took time to assess who you really are rather than who you think you are? And take for granted that you are and who you try to be and the image you put forth. Honesty is a value. And the question this morning is, how highly do we really value it? Because as I say, it's eroding at a rapid speed in our society and culture. There is so much going on in the culture that 
could be commented on, commented on, but I think we have to look at ourselves first and then connect the dots. How often do we stop and reflect on all the things we justify in our lives and consider whether or not they are true or right? For when we are dishonest with ourselves, we cannot be open to the truth. Some years ago, I, tropped, I stopped trying to be a saint. And to live up to other people's expectations of me, that's an occupational hazard for ministers. Rather, I tried to become an authentic human being. Just me and who God created me to be. I fall short, and sometimes I try to be more than I am, but the pretending to be someone I'm not has faded away. To be totally honest with yourself can be painful, but we must remind ourselves that Christ calls us to truth and not personal comfort or false advertising. For he is the way and the truth and the life. And his way is the best way. Let each one remove the log in his or her own eye before removing the speck from another's, Jesus said. So from inner integrity, we can begin the movement to upper integrity, which is honesty with God. Jesus' life was totally disclosed to God. And it was only such, through such full disclosure that he could enter into such an intimate relationship with God whom he could call Abba, Papa, Daddy. We too are offered the possibility of intimacy with God. An honest, intimate relationship with God is not merely correct thoughts or notions about God. It is to live in total openness to God. With God, there are no externalities. Think about it. With God, there are no externalities. In other words, there's nothing you can say or do that is not known to God. You may think it's not known, but it is. Remember the parable of the publican and the Pharisee? The Pharisee said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other people. He could not be honest with God about his own condition because he was not being honest with himself. He was too puffed up with pride and self-importance. But the publican had been honest with himself, knowing how unworthy he was, and thus he could be honest with God. And God accepted him as he was and redeemed him. My experience tells me that left on our own, we will fall again and again and again to dishonesty. But by God's grace and the gift of honesty, those parts of ourselves which are dead can come back to life. Our act of honesty each week our prayer of confession reminds us of our need for upper integrity with God. The prayer itself may not address our personal needs each week. 
what's lifted up specifically in the prayer might not be where we're coming from that week. That may not be our particular need, but it does remind us to be open with God and not to think too much of ourselves and our own opinions. And when we are honest with ourselves and honest with God, I believe we can begin to become honest with others. Which is our third movement today, and that, of course, is outer integrity. Outer integrity. When there is a sense of inner integrity and upper integrity, we can begin to live out the truth of who we are in conjunction with the truth of who God would have us be, and we need not worry about keeping up images just to please others. We no longer need to buy into the old quip that says, sincerity is everything, and once you can fake that, you've got it made. No, the way of truth is seldom easy. When I saw the play, Bly's Spirit, a number of years ago, one line struck me so poignantly that I wrote it down. And it says this. It's, ama- it's amazing how shocked people are by honesty and not deception. When our outer integrity, that is our honesty with others, is linked with inner and upper integrity, we need not fear being unpopular. Our outer honesty with others is not to be blatant and brutal. It is always to be guided by love. Not just what we say, but how we say it. For as the Apostle Paul says, we are to speak the truth in love. We are to speak the truth in love. Love is the control factor in telling the truth, not worrying about what people think. When we've done something that hurts someone, It is much harder to tell the truth than to cover up or withhold. And so lies get perpetuated to protect ourselves from being blamed or shamed. It is true that if in all your dealings with others you are always honest, then you never have to remember what you said. But if you stretch the truth, if you say it one way over here with this person, but differently over here with another person, then you always have to remember, who did I, how did I say it and who to and all that. Whereas if you just are honest, you don't have to worry about that. You only have to remember what you know to be true, and the truth holds. Here, verse 19 of our Proverbs text. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but a moment. The living truth sets us free, free from worry and what people think about us and free from having to remember what we've said in order order to cover our tracks. In all honesty, if I'm going to get honest, I've recently had to confront myself with the fact that I have not taken enough alone time, that I have not quietly nurtured my relationship with God. It's not that I didn't have the time. I'm going to be honest. I haven't taken the time. I long for a closer relationship with God, and I've discovered that the process begins with leveling with myself. 
and then leveling leveling with God, and then leveling with others. Honesty is something to be highly valued in the Christian faith because it is linked to the movements of inner integrity, upper integrity, and outer integrity. How we live with one another. I wonder how many of us have been totally honest with ourselves about what God really wants us to be and to do. You see, the more honest we are with self, God, and others, the more we are aware and know within that we are solely dependent on God's grace and love. And so now, no matter how bad or misdirected we've been, we are offered the possibility of realigning our lives with God through the gift, the gift of honesty. Because I strongly believe that God loves and accepts us no matter what when we are open and straight with God. Christ is the way and the truth and the life. We are encouraged and called to that way, that way. For Christ's way is still the best way. At the center of his way is love, which is held together with integrity and honesty. Inner integrity. Honesty with self. Upper integrity. Honesty with God. And outer integrity. Honesty with others. These are the movements of Christ's way of truth and life. So may that way be our way today and all our days because honesty is still the best way. Amen.